Hello, and welcome to What the Tech from Boast AI, where we talk with some of the brilliant minds behind new and exciting shred initiatives to learn what it takes to tackle technological uncertainty and eventually change the world. Today, we have co-founder and co-CEO of Jane Software, Trevor Johnston, on the show to discuss his role in creating the Jane app, an incredibly easy-to-use and secure online clinic management software that lets users book, chart, schedule, and invoice from anywhere, anytime. Top of all that, it requires no training and works in all clinics. But I'll leave it to Trevor to get into the technical nitty gritty and discuss what went into developing this game-changing software. But first, let's get introductions in order. Trevor, welcome to the show. Hi there. Happy to be here. Thanks for coming on. So before we dive into learning more about the Jane app, I'd love to learn more about your background, what projects you worked on in the past, and your path to being a leader in the BC tech ecosystem. Well, prior to Jane, I wasn't planning on being in the app development scene. Uh, I was running a small branding company and we were doing lots of advertising work and logo development and some some things that ended up on the web for a bunch of local brands here in Vancouver. Inevitably, things ended up needing to be online. So we had to get good at coding in our little shop. Uh, and then that led to some e-commerce projects. And in all of that, I was just hungry to develop something that was a little bit more app-like. I thought that sounded like fun instead of developing yet another e-commerce website. So I always had that in the back of my brain that it would be fun to build something once and sell it twice um, versus the zero to 100 cycle that you do as in an agency. Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. And it's also something we hear more often than not in that it wasn't originally in my mind that I was going to go to the app space, but we got there, whether it was wins in the air or the society at large moving in that direction or just whatever project we were working on. So that's a common theme. Um, now going to JNAP, how did you get involved with this project? So one of our customers at the agency was opening a small healthcare practice and we were doing her logo and uh, website and kind of the overall brand. And as she was working towards opening, she was hunting for some online booking software. And she couldn't find anything that just looked reasonable. She was showing me these options that were just so terrible. It was like we were designing this beautiful website that was meant to be like this incredible experience for her potential customers. And then they would click a book online button and end up in what felt like you'd jump back to like the 90s. So I said to her, I said, you know, I'd love to try building something to solve this problem. What if we just build this into your website? And we had six weeks to do it before she opened. So me and a couple of my staff, we kind of hunkered down and we built this little online booking system uh, in six weeks. But you can't just build online booking. Like you need the whole backend administrative side for them to, to do all the scheduling that feeds that online booking availability. So what we built ended up being kind of a the beginnings of a practice management software. And uh, she, she ran this uh, in her clinic they launched on time and um, she ran it really successfully. We really had to make very few changes to it uh, or fix bugs and stuff. It was very minimal. And uh, she ran it for about a year and a half before it kind of occurred to us like, hey, maybe we could sell this to other clinics. That is incredible. For In six weeks, you were able to make an MVP product, more or less, that worked with minimal tweaks. Am I hearing you correctly? <laughs> Yeah, I, I when I look at the way we are developing new features today, I, I still don't know how we did that. <laughs> Everything takes so long now. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. And I come from a branding and marketing background. 
I do not have the technical expertise to dive in and make magic like that happen in six weeks. Um, what did your team look like that brought this together? What expertise did you bring together to get this done on such a quick timeline? Yeah, so I had a I had a good friend that we often hired at the agency um, as a backend developer and for various projects we're working on. So he contributed to it. And then I was kind of learning the code at the time. I was learning a lot from him on the backend side. And then I was really exploring what was possible with the front end. And this is this is back in 2011 we built this. So this is long before all the good stuff. Like, uh, but we did develop it as a as a little um single page app, which was quite cutting edge at the time, uh, using backbone.js. And it was a Ruby on Rails backend, which is a pretty friendly uh, server-side framework to work with. So this project was really a learn-by-doing project, and it's kind of continued that way ever since. It sounds like you guys struck at the perfect time, because in 2011, like you were saying, there wasn't anything like this. And it's really cool that you were able to get that out to market and not have it be a one and done thing. Make it something that you can really put out to just as many customers as you can in that context. Now, you talked about the original use case was for that online booking function. Um, how has that evolved since your original kind of MVP product? Yeah, when we had the discussion to turn this into something that we could sell to other clinics, it just seemed kind of obvious and clear that if a clinic was going to stop using whatever system they were using and switch to this, it would need to be pretty complete. And the idea of an MVP wasn't really possible because uh, it would need to handle all of their scheduling needs. It really needs to handle all of their billing needs, both on the cash pay side for small healthcare practices, but also all their insurance billing. And then the thing that really naturally fits into that is that it should also handle their medical records. So the scope of the project, we just decided it, it needed to be quite robust for us to to have product market fit. So that's what we, that's the way we approached it. We we didn't go for an MVP. We built out a pretty robust uh, feature set. It's really an, an assembly of many small MVPs. I think that's <laughs> how we, we thought of it. That's really cool. Now, this might be getting a little too into the nitty gritty, but at the very start, this was for clinics. This was for healthcare. Were you targeting kind of smaller operations or were you from the start, did you have your eyes set on the very top? We're going to market this to any kind of clinic, any kind of provider who can and should be doing it better. Yeah, well, we didn't do a lot of market research. We had our we had our original customer and um, Ali, who was that clinic owner. She's my co-founder and co-CEO at Jane. Uh, so we did this together. We partnered up. And we really just sort of knew what she knew from her experience. And her clinic was primarily physiotherapy and massage therapy. Uh, chiropractic, and then a few other disciplines. So the product we had built for her clinic had to be uh, multidisciplinary, meaning it had to work for very different practices. And we didn't know it at the time, but this turned out to be something unique about the way Jane was designed. Because we had designed it to work for these very different disciplines that were all operating in her clinic, that made Jane compatible with so many more disciplines than we even imagined. And it also made Jane more flexible within a single discipline. And then in terms of the size of the businesses we were going after, we really were just kind of modeling after what Ali had built at her clinic, which was a small business, sort of single location, maybe from a couple of practitioners to up to 10 was that original, what we had in mind. 
And we were really mostly thinking about physiotherapy, massage therapy, and chiropractic. And we we went to a few trade shows in our first year, just in British Columbia, and set up a booth. And we're like, hey, we're here. Meet Jane. And that's kind of how the, the word of mouth game began. No, that's so cool. Especially when, like you were saying, you didn't necessarily lead with the market research, but you partnered with somebody who acutely felt problems that were resonant throughout the space. It's not something that's they're multidisciplinary problems, more or less. And you guys tackled them by really getting to the heart of it. And you partnered with somebody who could help you visualize, okay, it's more than just booking. And it's more than just for this one practice at the end of the day, too. Um, I think some interesting context there is that we weren't, we didn't have the mindset that we were setting out to build a big tech company. This, like we described it as a side hustle. My plan was to keep running my agency uh, Ali's plan was to keep running clinics. And we thought this might be a, a cool little side project that brought in some passive income. Uh, but it it quickly, very quickly took over when we discovered there was a huge need in the market for something like this. I hope it didn't distract you to any detriment to the other company, but I'm very happy for you guys that this served a very necessary market function and need and that it's taken off the way it has. Now, going into the specific R&D that went into creating this solution, um, I know you've touched on some of the unique challenges that you were trying to address out of the gate, but could you talk a little bit more about how you actually went into building the solution um, beyond that kind of initial time where you were saying it was multiple MVPs coming together to be a very robust feature set? Just tell us a little bit about like what that storyline has been, how your R&D trajectory has gone. You know, I think we experienced most of the technological uncertainty around the delivery of the application. So around how it was hosted, how we scaled the infrastructure as it grew. And we were dealing, because of the time frame, Jane launched officially in 2014. Uh, all of our customers were in Canada. And there are there was no cloud providers in Canada yet. And it was important because it's healthcare data that we data residency was critical. So it had to be stored in country. Uh, but we couldn't spin up an AWS instance in Canada at that time because they didn't have one. So we were stuck with self-hosting this thing to begin with. We were leasing actual servers in data centers. Like we had a, a data center in Montreal with like, we had our own cabinets with our own hardware in it. It was really the, the old way of doing things. And, and when we, like scaling meant that we, we're like, ooh, this server is starting to get a little uh, a little under load. We need to put an order in for a new server and then wait, you know, three weeks while they ordered the hardware, got it installed, got the OS installed, and then we would get access to it. So scaling was slow and hard. And I think that's where like a lot of what we had to design was around being able to scale in that slow uh, <laughs> environment. Oh, man. Yeah, you're taking me way back when you're just mentioning all the hardware and data centers that you can actually go and touch, <laughs> not actually yeah. just here's my credit card, Amazon. Can you just get this going for me, please? And totally. make sure it's here. Um, that was a big question I was curious about, too, with the compliance of it all, because you're dealing with healthcare data. Like, did that introduce new complexities for you guys beyond just the data residency of it all? Yeah, data residency is critical. Um, encryption at rest is critical with healthcare data. And I think we we did some research just on day one with how we should build this in a way that would be compliant with, in America, HIPAA's uh, kind of most prominent 
standard. And then uh, there's the Canadian equivalents with um, EPIDA and EPA. And I think we got off on a good good foot there with building things in a in a smart way to be compliant. And that has been actually an easy part of Jane's journey. When GDPR kicked in, like we barely had to change anything because we were already doing things in a way that met these strict healthcare um, standards. Um, and that meant we were kind of already ready other than cookie banners, which I don't think anyone really loves. No, no, they don't. <laughs> That's something you rarely hear that someone was just fully ready when GDPR rolled up, um, especially at least stateside, just because I'm based in the States. I'm personally more familiar with the HIPAA compliance and what goes into that just from being in startups past. So I can only imagine that when you're following a global standard, like it's usually a lot more challenging, but good to hear that you guys were fortuitous in just leading from the start with best practices and also keeping, again, your eye on that core challenge and not deviating so far that, okay, maybe we're missing the mark and then making ourselves not compliant or not useful on this one side. So that's great stuff. Now bringing it into kind of the future and what you've been doing recently and what's your North Star today? Well, Jane's North Star is to become at the core of this space uh, worldwide where patients are looking for uh, allied health, which is kind of the term we label uh, this industry as. There's over 70 healthcare disciplines that we're servicing, maybe more. And it's a, it's a tier of healthcare that's it's kind of it's hard to access. Um, so as as Jane grows and uh, gains market share in different geographies, we're looking at uh, new ways that we can be useful. And one of the ways we're doing that is we're um, starting to build products where patients can connect to our massive network of practitioners and find care, which is we're super excited about that. We haven't played in that space yet. Uh, and then Jane continues to just grow and solve the headaches of running a small business as a as a small healthcare practice owner. So we're always looking at ways that we can solve more of their problems. We're looking at what if Jane could handle payroll for clinic owners? What if we could handle HIPAA training for clinic owners? Um, like how can Jane be more and more helpful for these clinic owners so they can focus on what they're good at, which is treating patients? Very cool. And it's also very kind of simpatico with the ethos we have here at Boast, but for taxes and for R&D credits and for filing shred, we really do want to try to cover all the bases so that you're not doing the heavy lifting and you can focus on the task at hand. Like with Jane, provide the healthcare services that you're in it to. Don't focus on the complexities of making sure that your bookkeeping's in order, for instance, making sure that your calendars are all in the same working condition, at least. In that vein, you have a global mandate. It sounds like the sky's the limit for what Jane can and wants to do as a company. But you have worked in Canada and you've taken advantage of Shred and you've worked with Boast in the past. Could you talk a little bit about what your experience has been doing Shred, both on the Jane app, at Jane, at any other kind of projects that you've worked on? Um, the good, the bad, the ugly, we're here to hear all of it. Yeah. Yeah, Shred's been pretty important uh, for Jane. We've grown Jane as a bootstrapped uh, company. Um, and we hit profitability quite early because we were running super lean. And we've maintained that um, through every month of Jane's story since 2016. Uh, and that's like a, it's a, it's a 
capital efficiency is this like core to how we make decisions. And when we can get a little help through a program like Shred, that's that's pretty critical to making that work. That's Shred true. is tricky. Like when we first attempted to do a Shred claim, we tried to do it ourselves with a little bit of help from some consultants and I think in Ontario. And it didn't go well. And we ended up getting like audited and grilled. We had like this, this terrible day where there's like these four shred people in our office, you know, questioning every single thing we'd written in that thing. And it, it felt like an interrogation. And after that, I'm like, I'm never doing this again. Like, we don't need shred. I hate this. <laughs> and, <laughs> that would have turned me off for sure. Especially yeah. if they're in person tearing apart your shred clan. It's just like, yeah, yeah. do good work here, man. <laughs> it was awful. But we did try again. And that was after we met some people from Boast. And they they convinced us that we should give it another shot. And there's an art to describing the work you're doing to just be compatible with Shred. And even an art to just understanding what parts of what you're doing would be eligible for Shred and how you would describe that. It's it's challenging because it's it's a bit unintuitive. I think a lot of companies like like us, like we're not doing a lot of R&D or technology invention. We are really building software on top of things that other people have already engineered. Like we're an open source shop. We're using thousands of open source libraries um, and we're just kind of assembling those. So when you like look at the work we're doing, it's hard to see the shred in it, like the technical uncertainty. But Boast has definitely helped us figure that out because there, there is lots of areas where we are um, experimenting with how to best assemble all these different open source technologies to achieve the result we want. So the work we've done around custom systems to help chain scale its infrastructure was a that's been a consistent area of kind of shred work. And some of the work we've had to do to integrate into some legacy insurance systems, which were never intended for modern tech to integrate with. That's been areas where we've had to kind of invent and experiment and uh fail <laughs> and then succeed now that's super cool and i mean the shred programs yes on its face it's supposed to be for more than just technological uncertainty inventing new things but what you guys are creating is like the ideal i feel like shred candidate you're it's open source you're trying to make solutions that are improving are improving on things that really need in a material sense and that they can actually reap a lot of value from sooner than later. Like you're not reinventing the wheel, but you're certainly tackling technological uncertainty in areas that might not be the sexiest on their face. Like you're not building a new way to go to the doctors out of the box, but it is a tool that's going to benefit a lot of other companies too. And I think a lot of other people just in software development, but across sectors too. I could see this being applicable beyond just the multidisciplinary healthcare that you've outlined, despite having 70 different disciplines covered by Jane today. That is wild. So going back into the actual money that you've gotten back from Shred, um, I know you've mentioned that Jane has been profitable from the start, but I imagine it's nothing to sneeze at in terms of what you get back from Shred every year. What do you guys do with that cash that you get back? Does it go back into R&D? Um, I know you had said you don't do R&D in the traditional sense, but how does that money help extend your runway? Yeah, so our shred claims, you know, they when you kind of look at it simply, they essentially cover um, one of our teams, and we have twenty scrum teams at Jane. So this year, you know, we're 
sort of allocating that that money to fund a, a Skunk Works style team that is focused on how do we leverage the generative AI technology that's emerging. So we've got a team for the first time that's really doing R&D and experimenting, uh, which is super fun. And we're kind of thinking our, of our last year's shred claim as what is funding that. Oh, that's really cool. I get really excited when we hear that you're basically making a lab, like you're making a new way to explore things that maybe you don't know exactly how they'll be applied today, but we're giving you that extra cash that you can be that flexible. It doesn't have to go to keeping the lights on. It goes into dreaming up even more ways you can do things. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. And for a team of 20, you have 20 different teams and this basically covers one of them. That's really cool. That is just a meaningful impact that I think the team at Boast is always happy to hear. Awesome. All right. Well, Trevor, this is great. Okay, cool. Thanks. It was fun. Awesome. Great. Talk soon. Yeah, talk to you later. And thank you listeners for joining us. Please subscribe to What the Tech from Boast AI wherever you get your podcasts.